Welcome to the Healthcare Excellence Through Technology podcast. Designed by the healthcare industry for the healthcare industry, subscribe to stay up to date with the latest in digital health developments to help you on your digital transformation journey. Hello everyone, I'm Emma Fell, Head of Content here at HET and welcome to another event supporting digital transformation from Healthcare Excellence Through Technology. Today's webinar is in collaboration with NHSX and Future NHS and our speakers today will be talking on building digital blueprints, considering how blueprints have helped support the, deal, the digital revolution thus far and supporting direction of travel post-COVID-19. Moderating today will be James Freed, Chief Information Officer at Health Education England and joining him are members of the Blueprinting Steering Group Paul Charney, Director of IT and Information at Wirral University Teaching Hospital, NHS FT, and James Reid, Chief Clinical Information Officer at Birmingham and Solihull Mental Health NHS Trust. Joining for Q&As will be Dr. Kathleen Creswell, Chief Scientist Office, Chancellor's Fellow and Director of Innovation at the University of Edinburgh, who has worked on the GDE programmes and is a module lead at the Digital Academies. We're going to be starting the webinar very soon, so please note that we'll be using polls to get some feedback throughout the webinar, so make sure to look out for those and join in. And our speakers will be answering your live questions at the end of the presentation, so make sure to add any and all of your new questions to the Q&A function and not the chat function, where there will be opportunity to vote up all of the questions you like. We'll get to as many as we possibly can. I'm now going to pass over to James. Thank you. Thank you very much, Emma, and uh, welcome everyone. Um, to this really exciting uh, discussion and presentation from the blueprinting team. Um, this for me is really a discussion about knowledge and knowledge sharing, which we're not always great at in health and social care. And this blueprinting initiative is the first time we've tried to really encapsulate know-how around health informatics in a, in a really um, stringent, well-described way. Um, we're going to be hearing from the team in just a second, but I've got a couple of uh, housekeeping uh, an announcements to make uh, in advance. So firstly, um, we're hoping that today is going to be really discursive and um, interactive. So you will see at the bottom there's a Q&A tab. If you do have questions at any point in the session, please put your questions in there. A number of you, in fact, a vast number of you have submitted questions in advance and just to manage your expectations, we're not unfortunately going to be able to get to every single one. However, if you do feel that we've not captured um, or answered the questions that you've had, please do contact the team after the session. They'd be very happy to answer. Um, there is a contact, um, uh, uh, the contact details on the very last slide. Um, uh, secondly, uh, this session, this 40-minute session, is going to be followed by uh, um, two workshops. Um, some of you, no doubt, will be attending. If you, uh, if you would like to attend those workshops, there are a small number of places still available. Uh, and please do let Emma know if you'd like to join. You can put your contact details in the chat box underneath. Um, or actually, Emma was going to put her uh, contact details in there. And please email her directly. Um, now... We're going to move over to Paul and James uh, to give their presentation. But before we do so, we've got some questions of you. Now, we're going to have a number of polls throughout this session. And our first two questions are really to help us understand where you're at. So that the first question is going to be, what's your level of awareness of the NHS GDE, um, uh, Global Digital Exemplar Blueprinting work? And if you're got your typical Likert scale answers there from very good through to very poor. Um, our second question is going to be, uh, how did you hear about the blueprinting work? And there are a number of options here. And so, um, Emma, if I could ask you to put those polls live. 
and please do fill in your answers. Um, for me, this is a um, yeah, it's a really uh, good way of the team understanding um, who you are as an audience and uh, how, in general, therefore, um, they are able to communicate with the wider stakeholder group. So just whilst you're filling that in, in a second, I'll be handing over to Paul and he will continue on the slides. Um, how much time do you think we should leave for these polls, Emma? Um, we can leave them maybe five minutes or so, that's because people are still joining, um, and then uh, when you get to the next poll, then announcement. Okay, thank you. So, so um, you'll note that you'll be able to pull the, the window for the polls over to one side, so those of you who have completed your questions, you can watch the uh, slides being presented by Paul and James. And with no further ado, in that case, I will hand over to Paul. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Thanks, James. Um, hi, I'm Paul Charnley. I'm the digital lead for Cheshire Merseyside Health and Care Partners. I've just left my job as CIO at Rural University Teaching Hospital, which was one of the GDEs. Um, and for my sins, I'm also one of the co-chairs of the GDE Blueprinting Steering Committee, which represents um, a number of uh, the stakeholders across GDE and uh, within NHS X and D. Um, so, uh, it falls to me to sort of introduce uh, the GDEs and then James Reed, um, who follows me, not free Reed, will, um, will, 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 as a, a CCIO, talk about um, his, um, his point of view, uh, from his point of view, about blueprints. So, um, the idea behind blueprints, which is, um, it, it's, it's perhaps new to the NHS, but, but it has been around um, for some time, was to take people who've, who've potentially done um, quite well in improving their digital maturity and take ideas, uh, write them down, make them um, available to others to then um, push development across uh, the whole of the NHS. Um, the idea is that there was a script that would be developed that would allow um, the stories coming from the GDEs and then their fast followers um, to demonstrate the value of, of, of the technology as, it, as, as it's implemented and um, pass those lessons on to the rest of the country. Um, so rather than reinventing the wheels and making the same mistakes over and over again, the intention behind the, the strategy for GDEs was to provide a a platform for people to follow and to, um, to, to accelerate what they were doing and um, often, some, you know, often to leapfrog the organizations that were leading to, to do things better because they could do them having learned the lessons from, from people who've been there already. And I've, I've heard people like Matthew Gould from NHSX saying the blueprints are a golden thread through which um, the program's efforts can be shared because I think previous programs of digital investment not necessarily had that kind of lessons learned knowledge base approach to things that that um, the blueprints are there to pass on experience and knowledge and artifacts and everything else that would allow mm -hmm. us to, um, to move the whole of the NHS forward. Um, so in terms of what a blueprint is and we did have a lot of debate about this uh, in the early 
formative stages when we um when we started to decide how to to do this task um in one sense they're a collection of knowledge assets i heard this morning that we have something like 2300 artifacts now on the on the system on the futures platform which we'll talk about in a while and, and they're available to start from rather than a blank piece of paper um that you know we can talk about the the benefits of um of, of implementing and providing the um not just the benefits of the tools as implemented but the benefits of implementing them in a particular way um so we, we've been looking at the scope of the uh the blueprints and we'll come back to that as well because you know essentially the gdes had a particular um agenda to follow um, as gdes they set out what they were doing but now we're looking more widely at the overall breadth of um of um, digital initiatives and how they can apply to both health and you know into care um they they are step-by-step -step guides i'm gonna have to move my screen yeah the um, details uh, and the components, and we're beginning to, to do a bit more work on um, on the technical aspects as well um, to augment the, the sort of implementation and project details. Um, you can find them um, on a uh, on the futures platform. In I think you can just about see the URL link there: futures.nhs.uk/gd/community/group/home. And you can re request access through this email address. Um, I think we have something like 140 blueprints, and we're targeting another 90. So there's 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 plenty of work to do, um, but they still they're still being published. And if anyone's interested in reviewing them, I'm sure uh, we'd be glad to hear from you at that email address because there's there's quite a lot of uh, work in 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 making sure they're peer-reviewed properly um, and we're now co covering more the care settings and more the capabilities over time and they're not meant to be just technical documents they're meant to be for CIOs, CCIOs and CNIOs and and execs and um, finance folk as well in order to understand to help them understand the impacts of these sorts of technologies so um, very smooth segue into a ccio who can talk a bit more about how um how uh, blueprints are for him as a member of the steering group as well um so if you just tell me james when you want me sure. to move on let me know thank you very much paul yes yeah, so um yes it's james reed here so yes contrary to popular belief and you have evidence on the screens in front of you that myself and james freed are not the same person um <laughs> so i'm a consultant forensic psychiatrist by clinical background i'm the ccio at the Birmingham Solid Health Mental Health NHS FT. Uh, I'm also I also chair the um, CCIO network in digital health at the moment. So yeah, so I mean, as Paul says, really, I mean, I've, I mean, I've always, from the outset, I suppose, I thought the blueprints are one of the more, one of the more interesting components of the GDE program in that they're an attempt to really do something differently. You know, not not just do some great stuff, but write about some great stuff in a way that's accessible to other people. I think in the past we've been rather too focused on delivering something than we haven't actually you know system systematically describing the learning um so so yeah this this slide really is just to set out to follow on from what paul said really we've got you know the, there's a fair degree of governance around the the, the whole process as a steering group was a meeting this morning with a variety of people on it to provide as the name implies overall steering through the whole 
for all the work and also a, a process of approval of blueprints to, to, you know, to ensure, as well as the individual reviews as an overall quality control. Um, we have got a fairly clearly and well sort of set out methodology now, which means that, you know, broadly speaking, all the blueprints that come through have gone through a similar process uh, and they are comparable. You know, the subjects may vary quite widely, but once you've got used to reading one, um, you'll find the same basic approach repeated throughout all of them. Um, and obviously a key point, again, as we've already heard, was having a digital platform set up. And that's been there from an early stage. It's been through a, a fair degree of development, and, and we'll come on to that in, in a moment. Um, but, it's not, but it means that you can get to the, to get to the documents, but there's also uh, other supporting information around them, including case studies and so on. Um, and um, we've got more to come. I mean, again, this was initially part of the GDE program, of course. Now, the GDE program is, you know, drawing to a close, really, um, in, in its pre in, in that in that form. But again, we're we're keen that the uh, the work we've done here lives on, and it certainly isn't restricted to GDEs. And in fact, I think we're just about to publish the first blueprint that's done by, if you like, a non-GDE organisation. Um, so this is very. This is not at all about the sort of so-called digital haves and have-nots. This is just about recording good practice and talking about it in a structured way. And we've developed the approach to the GDEs, but the idea is it's something that, that everyone can use. And we, we know that there's lots of good work going on all over the place, not just in 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 the, in the GDE fast follower community. Um, we've sort of developed um, the product, if you like, to just to have a to, just just do some of the initial learning around being able to find digestible chunks, so the concept of a blueprint on a page. And at the other end of the spectrum, the technical annex is a, a you know it was in response to a need for much more detailed technical analysis. I mean, some of the blueprints, not all, but some of them do deal with quite specific technical subjects. Um, so there is sometimes at least a need to dig into real detail. Now that's not something that perhaps a CCIO like me would really understand, frankly. Um, but, you know, within, within organizations, the, 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 the IT departments and the developers and so on may well have an interest in the specifics of it. And this is something the technical annex is a set out to uh, deliver. Um, and we've also had you know, another thing we were able to do, which was nice, was respond quite rapidly to the uh, recent COVID crisis. And we got some specific blueprints out the door quite quickly, actually, to address the challenges that people are encountering. And obviously, video consultation being one of the key ones. Um, and then, of course, now we are starting to see you know, stories coming through in a formal way where blueprints have actually been picked up, used, adopted and, and implemented, you know, which is, which, which is always going to take a while to come through. But it's pleasing to see that happening. And, we're, and we've got some evidence of that. The next slide, please, Paul. Right. So these are just these are just some examples. These are some of these are relatively early ones. I mean, anyone with access to the platform can get the detail. But for example, Liverpool University Hospitals has got a blueprint on e-sepsis, um, and as part of that, there's clear evidence for improvement in the performance. Um, and as it says here, there's no, they've got 100% screening in the ED and wards, uh, and then similarly, a, an assessment tool that Salford developed for delirium again has demonstrated quite significant benefits within that within that trust. Uh, next one, please, Paul. I'm um, oh, sorry, yeah, and then um, two, two more. Again, these are just examples. There's, there's, 100 and, well, there's 136 other ones to choose from at the moment. But Northumberland Tyne and Weir, which is a mental health trust, actually, um, have done a lot of great work around um, mobile working, which is a particularly particular thing in there because they've got such a large geographical area and some of the usual problems around poor signal and so on. So they've got a really great example of how they've approached that, such that, you know, a lot, you know, all their, so a large proportion of their staff have got access to the, along the Martini principle, anytime, any place, anywhere, um, for the um, for their mental health records, which is particularly important in a community organisation. 
And then one final example just at this stage is the is Cambridge University Hospitals that have done, again, some really interesting work on barcoded medic medicines administration, which has got lots of benefits to patient safety um, and, um, and drug errors and so on. And that's something that they've picked. Now, you know, they use a particular product, but nonetheless, the blueprint is able to pick out principles which can be applied whichever product you're using. Okay, next slide, please. Okay, so um, I don't know how many of you have seen or had access to blueprinting platforms. Some of you will, some of you won't. I mean, those who've been in, in dealing with this from the outset will have hopefully already seen some significant improvements. I mean, we began with the, we've been on the future NHS platform from the start. And I think we've, we've over time, we've been able to listen to feedback and make a lot of improvements um, because it is a, you know, it's a work in progress. And so we've, um, so based on a lot of feedback, we've, we've launched a, a, a revised version of the platform, you know, and this isn't the final version by any means, there's, there's plenty more to come, but just to make it easier to access and easy to find the, the information that you need. Uh, next one, please, Paul. Um, so, I mean, this is just a sort of a, this is a, an example of what it now looks like. And you can see from these sort of the series of buttons at the top that we've incorporated some of the new ideas like the blueprints on a page uh, and, and the artifacts database, which is, a, again, as the name perhaps implies, is a better means of searching through. Because although we may have 140 blueprints, as Paul was saying, there's a, each one of those has a large number of individual artifacts. And I think we've, we've recognized that there's, there's, that there's, there's value to be had about viewing artifacts in their own right in, in a group, right, as well as attached to a particular topic. Um, and that's what that database seeks to do. So really every item of information that's held in a blueprint is, is separately searchable and indexed. Um, so, you know, you'll be able to look at perhaps a range of implementation approaches, irrespective of subject, which I think would be quite useful. Um, and, uh, and, and it also, as you can see on here, there's links to um, some case studies and all the rest of it. So this is, this is a very much developing platform, but I'm really hurry. I hope that everyone who's on this webinar, if you haven't already got access, will, you know, will, it's with the email address we've shown, please, please get in touch and, and please make use of the resources because there's now a lot on there. Uh, next one, please, Paul. So this is just a few, few facts and figures, really. I mean, as it, as it states on here, we have gradually seen a gradual increase in the number of new users, which is good. Uh, and overall an increase in the number of total users, which is good. We've seen quite, as you can see from there, in the month of June, we had quite a jump. Uh, I think it's fair to say that, you know, especially once the initial sort of frenzy of the crisis died down a little bit, it's led to a renewed interest in learning and understanding what people are doing. And I think that's reflected in, in these figures. Also, of course, because we've um, done work on the platform. Uh, and then on, on the right-hand side, and you can see a mobilized view of that. Uh, and the next one, please, Paul. And again, it's just some some figures really, just to give just to give an idea of, of where the level of interest has been. You know, so obviously things like video consultation and A and E patient management, I suppose, of that lot is is the highest, um, and various others. And and again, this is as of of June, and we'll see you know we'll, we'll see more of this as we go on. But there are, I think, video consultation particularly, is a, is, especially at the moment, it's a very topical area. And the next one, yeah, and and this is just again a similar breakdown of who's using it. Um, I suppose it, it's probably not surprising that uh, acute trusts are the majority group there. Um, but I'm pleased to see that mental health trusts make up a large proportion as well. Um, I think we've got work to do, obviously, to, um, you know, to get more, get interest from other sectors. Um, I suppose it's inevitable that they are secondary care focused at the moment, because that's been, certainly as far as the GDE is concerned, that was the main grouping. Um, however, I mean, it'd be great to see in time getting CCGs, primary care and other sectors involved um, and you know, developing as well as, um, as as consuming and implementing blueprints that have been done. So the ambition is very much this is something for the whole system. You know, it's not just for um, people who've you know, been part of any particular program. OK, next one, please. 
So what we're going to do next, um, so we've got a clear program of work set out. So the first thing, as, as it says, is to try and look for, we've looked, we've done a lot of analysis, look at gaps and areas where we need more work, um, where there's particular subjects that need doing. And we've asked each GD and fast follower site to create two further blueprints with the aim of starting to bridge as many of those gaps as we can. Um, we've also got a new concept of a foundation blueprint, um, which is uh, exactly as it says, it's for trust at the sort of the, you know, at the earlier end in their digital journey, as it were, because, you know, we, this is meant to be of value to everybody, not just the people who've already got loads of great infrastructure, but also to help people just starting out, um, because it's just as important, well, more important, perhaps, that, that those in the first steps are done well. And then, as I've already said, um, we're keen to develop for some areas, more technical detail. For example, we did a blueprint on our electronic observation system, and that is actually quite a technical subject because it's a system that we developed in-house uh, and have built. So there's been a lot of interest in, in that from our side. So we're gonna write a fairly detailed technical treatise on how that all works, which is again, something that wouldn't be for me as a CCIO, but would be very useful, I hope, to a developer in another hospital. Uh, next one, please. And then the um, and then again, as I've already said, we're keen on getting other organisations involved. We've, we've you know we've made a start on this already, uh, but we're keen to get the ideas out there, get other people involved in this work, get other people writing these blueprints so that we can share them. Um, we want to continue working on the platform. We've made a good start on it. I think we've developed it well, and then the the, you know, the ambition is to continue to do that. And then finally, the, re and the reason we're all sitting here today is to keep the awareness going. You know, I think. There's a danger always with any kind of big program like the GD yeah. is that people can sort of forget about it after a while and think well, that's something that happened a long time ago and now it's stopped. But we're keen to say this isn't, you know, this hasn't stopped. This work's continuing. Um, you know, it may, who knows, that's maybe this will be the main legacy of the GD program. I'd, I'd really like to think so. Um, and, you know, given that all this effort and work and investment's gone in, it, it's really important that, you know, that everyone out there is able to make the most of it. So, um, so we're doing as much work as we can to keep the awareness going, promote the use of the platform, and get get new people involved. And I think Paul, is that is that my last? Yes. Yeah, so back to Paul now, Reid. So just to go into some of the the detail around the uh, the next stages and and particularly the uh, pipeline development. So, Paul, over to you. Thanks, James. Um, yeah, we've we've been working in, in the last uh, several months with Atos, who uh, won a contract to take. Um, some of the work forward. It has been impacted, uh, the contract was left, left before COVID hit. So it has been impacted and we've tried to be as, as agile as possible to turn attention to those things that um, are, are more likely to be needed during the COVID period. Um, uh, a question about that coming up. But the one of the pieces of work that's continued throughout is to analyze um, provide a framework for if you like the picture on top of the blueprint jigsaw box the um, that try and establish what the universe of blueprints should look like and um, this is that that sort of placemat on the right hand side of the screen is available we can we can we can share it in more detail but essentially uh, it's broken down into um, capabilities and the 13 of those in that list, and then there's uh, some tech, some standards, and some approaches which are also in there for blueprinting. But if we look at particularly the capabilities, um, kind of break that down into second-level um, analysis of what we mean by records assessments and plans or diagnostic management, and then broke that down further to see if there were coverage from the current set of blueprints. 
there's a very simple pie chart that that if we have basically put our arms around the whole universe of topics then we're about halfway there um there is a bit of a backlog of blueprints that has been caused not 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 least because of covid that we've taken the um the pedal off take the foot off the pedal for for a little while but we've now got back to sites and something like half of them are I believe they're ready to start producing gd blueprints again which is um good news um and whilst not wanting to force anyone at this point in time at all um it's great that people are saying yes we want to get on and do uh, some more blueprinting work so the pipeline is 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 we think something like 90 other areas that that, that would complete a, a fuller picture of of what needs blueprinting for health informatics uh in, a, in that general sense so um <clears throat> these are the 13 areas um and within each of these areas are specific things that we're looking for um after having read through uh, and the atos team having read through um the blueprints that we have so for each of those areas then there are um proposed new topic areas the digital pathways we do have some but um things like cancer and diabetes are not yet covered so there's there's a set of uh digi digitized digital pathways that we will be looking to um to find examples of that we can blueprint and you can see the other areas there for each of the um, the 13 capabilities as um as we said earlier we are looking for the gds to help us fill these gaps um a lot of what we did in the early days was around the projects they had in hand and the things that we're doing to extend their digital maturity but um, we are looking to go back to um to these areas and fill in the gaps as it were from in the jigsaw and these are the the other group of uh, capabilities and some of them are foundation and some of them are more um like like order comms interfaces and some of them are more advanced like genomics omics um which is uh you know a, an emerging area of um of health informatics so that's um that's the work we have in front of us um so i believe there's another poll at this point um and what we've done is um list out the different um capabilities and we'd like if you could to um select the five you think we should prioritize and, and we'll use this along with other information to to focus our work on the things we think need to be picked up and um run with as soon as possible as soon as we have the capacity from the sites to to get on with it and our our ability to go through all the governance so i'll uh, pause for a minute while you have a look at the the areas we've put in front of you there and as it says there if you pick five out of the, the total that would be great so i i, I don't get to vote on this by the way <laughs> even though i've tried um so if we leave that for you to complete over the next uh, few minutes, um, I will move on to uh, ask if, if you've got any 
questions we've talked about those before if there's anything um about the pipeline in particular if there's areas you think we've not um highlighted then um do please give us some suggestions about things you'd like to see blueprints created for and we'll we'll weave them into the uh, into the map um and otherwise i think um we're on to more general questions and i i believe james f um is going to take us through a q a session thank you very much paul and thank you very much james so um the, as you can see on the slide deck there are um three questions here how can we engage more organizations in creating blueprints how can we engage more organizations in using blueprints and is there anything else the blueprinting work can do to help organizations responded to COVID 19 please do if you have any ideas um uh, put your uh, answers in the chat. Uh, also, if I could encourage you to put any questions in the Q&A box. Um, I have noticed that there's been a couple of questions about um, access to the poll. I understand you need to click the polls icon at the bottom of your screen in order, order to access the polls. And we did have some poor audio quality at the beginning of the session, but I think we've tried to resolve that now. So we're going to move straight on to the question and answer session and I'm going to um, uh, welcome Catherine to join us. Um, and our first question is going to be aimed um, at Catherine. So I've got a couple of questions that were pre-submitted um, for the panel. And if you enter questions into the Q&A box, we'll try and get to a couple of those before we hit our 2.40 deadline. So Catherine. Um, this is a question around sustainability. So do, do you find that blueprints make the NHS more sustainable? So for example, staff are less stressed, less stressed or there are lower carbon emissions. Um, um, well, the academic answer is it's, um, it's hard to say at the moment as it's very early days, as James has already mentioned. Um, and uh, in addition, um, it, it's hard to attribute those outcomes uh, to blueprints time and cost savings because blueprints are only um, a part of uh, the learning economy that the NHS is trying to create to, through the um, learning networks and the uh, GDE and fast follower setup. So it's very difficult to attribute these outcomes to blueprints. Um, so I suppose time and cost savings might be quantifiable, um, but I suppose most benefits are likely to be qualitative and unanticipated. And also they need to be offset against the time and effort it takes to produce these things. Thank you very much. Um, can I bring James in at this point? So we've had a few questions that came in before the session launch that were around uh, maybe technical architecture design or technology policy. So for instance, should we use Teams or Zoom for video conferencing? Do you mind just explaining the difference between uh, technical guidance, policy, that sort of stuff, yeah. and the blueprints? And do you see one informing the other more over time? Sure, yeah. Well, always difficult, isn't it? But I think in general terms, the policy should set out principles, you know, and this is to some degree is what the blueprints are doing. It, it's not really, it shouldn't be about specific products or particular, you know, features or functions. You should be setting out general principles for doing something. Because the reality is that wherever you work in the different organizations, there's going to be a, a range of products. There's going to be local arrangements, there's going to be infrastructure, there's going to be contracts, there's going to be all this sort of thing, which is going to have a bearing on, on what exactly system you use. And that's where the technical guidance comes in. I think, you know, we can be more specific in guidance. If you're going to use system A, this is how it's best done and so on. Um, and I think, um, you know, where, again, where we, where we can in the blueprints, we've tried to avoid being, you know, too specific to a particular product, although sometimes that, that's, that's not easy. 
I mean, there is a, an, an interesting question, I suppose, comes with what happens when things change, you know, because from time to time, I mean, Zoom's a good example of that, isn't it? Where we've seen a real journey from it being widespread, you know, well, in different directions, either it being the thing to use and then not, or not the thing to use and then the thing to use. Um, and I suppose, again, with blueprints where we can, we've tried to avoid getting into it, but where we haven't, I mean, so it's what we could do if there was a big policy change at a high level that meant a certain product and therefore a certain blueprint wasn't directly valued anymore we could still get the authors perhaps to redraft it to leave out the specific stuff but bring out the, the core learning because whatever product you use there's always going to be learning to be had which should be broadly applicable and i guess that's our mission with the blueprint so far as possible is focus on learning rather than on specific systems thank you very much james and paul if i could come to you now um, this is a question around agility and how, how do we sustain the agility of decision making that enabled us to move so fast in response to COVID-19? So um, it would be really interesting to understand what the blueprinting process can add to uh, the decision making process at um, national level and between trusts um, uh, in a way that we have seen over the last three or four months. Yeah, I mean, the, the, there is an example of agility within the blueprinting program in that um, we've tried to do blueprints on a page for things like attend anywhere and video consultation as quickly as we could, um, rather than pursue the, the given track that we were on. Um, in terms of how individual organizations do health informatics, do digital, um, you can read in, the, there's an essence in the blueprints about organizations who have learned how to do governance lightly enough but sufficiently to make good decisions very quickly and to move through projects without too many delays and to roll with the punches i think some of the most interesting parts of blueprints are when people have had to reverse out of something that they've realized isn't going to work and, and to see how people react to that it, written in the narrative of these blueprints i think is a very important lesson i mean the extracting that organizational essence out of a technical blueprint is something i think we should be trying to do because because there are some ground rules about how projects and programs work that gives lends it to itself to that agility um and um you know I, I think as we've said we're looking for the pipeline that we take up forward to be around those things that people think are most important now um, and we'll come back to some of the other themes that we were exploring before COVID to fill out the picture in the longer term. Thank you very much. Um, uh, I just need to address, there's, been a, there's a little bit of chat about polls. I'm sorry if the polling system is not working for you and we'll do what we can to um, engage with you after the event. Um, uh, thank you very much. Um, I've got another question for Catherine, if that's okay. Uh, um, you're an academic. Uh, what's the evidence base for blueprinting? Where does it come from? Um, well, it comes from manufacturing. So there's as such no uh, robust scientific evidence base in relation to healthcare. Um, and it's never really been done at this scale. Um, and it's a very different context, arguably, to manufacturing healthcare because it's much more complex and it's much more unpredictable. Um, so it's a bit of an experiment, really, um, what we're seeing here at the moment. So I think it's um, it's important to, well, I would say that it's important to evaluate it, um, which is being done. Um, so to trace kind of um, unanticipated benefits and un unanticipated risks um, 
which has already been done because the user community has been involved in um, reconceptualizing blueprints. So it was, for example, it was a piece of, it was a, a in, in, instruction manual to start off with, and it's it's moved towards a reconceptualization towards blueprinting as a vehicle, a dyna dynamic vehicle vehicle for knowledge transfer and creating communities of practice. Um, in terms of unanticipated ways, um, they've been used. Uh, people are quite uh, inventive in, in using these things and in making things work for them. Uh, so they've, uh, they've looked at them as ways of overviews of activity, as ways of reflecting on their own activity while they're doing something and really thinking about the different steps they've, they've been um, through in implementing technologies. And also as a way to establish contacts um, with people who've been there before. Thank you. All sorts of benefits, as demonstrated by the evidence. That's good. And we, there is actually a question that's come from the floor around evidence base, but I'm not sure who wants to answer this one. So this is, um, uh, have, you, have we seen any evidence so far around whether, whether blueprints have reduced barriers to implementing new technology? And I'm assuming Matt's question is specifically around the implementation of our blueprints in the health sector. Um, there are some examples of blueprints which blueprint the fact that they took a blueprint from somewhere and implemented it. Um, so yeah, there's some direct evidence that it did improve the, uh, the pace and effectiveness of picking up a piece of technology and moving it to a, to a fast follower. Um, but I, I think um, I mean, Catherine doing the evaluation, I think she's pointed out that, that the unanticipated ways in which people have gone to the blueprints and found just the job description they were looking for or or the business case that supports digital dictation or um, how to set up a support team for mobile communications they're all in there um, and, and what we've done over the last few months is try and make that more accessible at that granular level because you might not want to do the whole thing exactly the way the blueprint tells you but there are many pieces of the jigsaw in, in, in the box to pick out and put into your um, journey. So I think um, that's the kind of um, evidence we're beginning to see and we've built the uh, Into the Futures platform more questions about well why are you using this artifact and you know have you used a blueprint in full or partial so as to get better feedback about where they're ending up. I'd like to sprinkle the documents with some sort of you know that water security water and see how far they get out into the wild and then and see see who's using them and copying them and reusing them because that's the whole point is 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 to make it quicker to get to get through the process and deliver something yeah that that reach metric is going to be tricky i suspect but i would be really interested to see that one as well i, I loved your yeah. point around um unanticipated benefits and catherine's as well i mean as a cio uh, you know, in in the CIO community, you know, for a long time, we've known that the benefits that you identify in the business case, many of those are not going to be met. Some of them will be met. And then a whole bunch of other benefits that you just totally hadn't anticipated will be. And I suspect what you're saying is for blueprinting, it's no different. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a bunch of questions in the Q&A about specific blueprints about whether they're included or not, which I'm not going to try and uh, pepper you with right now, because I suspect there's there's a, well, people can go to the future NHS platform and have a look for themselves. Um, but there was a couple that are quite interesting. So one was, and you mentioned security water, but actually, just to, just to twist that a little bit, there's a question around whether there are any meta blueprints that cover things like security, resilience, and data governance. So themes that run across uh, um, uh, health informatics implementations. Um, and I don't know who's best to answer that one. Shall I? Um, I, I? 
there are some blueprints that that talk about that kind of uh, softer layer uh, meta uh, analysis but in the recent times we've actually got organizations collaborating on a blueprint and bringing their own experience to bear so so that they're actually combining their experience into into one and separating that out there were some there are some blueprints that look at approaches to program delivery and so on uh, approaches to shared record information governance that but they are specific to individual areas don't know if, if james wants to add to that I... um no i think i think that you, you, you've said it all really paul i mean i, okay. I think it's just it, it's, it's just a test i suppose that the key thing here is this is for building and developing you know nothing's going to be there's nothing really excluded the idea would be to get as much stuff of a much different the more that is in it the more valuable a platform it will be um i know we've run out of time emma but i would like to squeeze in one quick last question if i may so that there's um, a really lovely comment in the q a from gavin newman who said he personally loves the blueprint site on future nhs so thank you for all the work must have gone into getting this up and running his question is as a non-gde or fast follower or digital aspirant, how does he get involved? And there are other questions from the voluntary sector and the private sector. So the real question is, how do these people who are currently outside the tent get in? I anticipated your question, I think. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Um, if you email us in, um, we're, we're, we're not here to answer questions about the entirety of the NHS, but if people want to contribute either with content or to review content, um, then we'd be more than happy to hear from them. Thank you very much. And for those of you who um, don't have the slides up in front of you, an email address, the uh, gdeblueprints at nhsx.nhs.uk. And I'm assuming you can find that uh, contact detail on the NH, uh, future NHS platform as well, Paul? Yes. Yeah. Thank you very much. I think, Emma, we're done for time, unless you want me to carry on with another couple of questions. Uh, no, I think it, maybe we should flash up the results from the, the polling. So Lovely. I can share in one. So whilst you're doing that, let me just say a massive thank you to uh, Paul, James and Catherine. Okay. So most people are coming to this with very little awareness. So I'm hoping that that's improved over the last 40 minutes. And most of you come through online communities. I'm and People want all the topics, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> but there's but one, there's remote, remote and virtual care, yeah. yes. At least you picked the right ones. <laughs> Which I noticed was one of the ones that you made into a plan on a page, a, a single page yes. one yeah. but, uh, in response to COVID, which I mm -hmm. personally found really useful. Great. Okay. That's no, helpful. Helpful. So thank you very much for our speakers, our panelists, um, and thank you ever so much for joining. I do apologize if you found uh, the sound or polling difficult, but please do stay involved with this really exciting program um, and help us share knowledge throughout the NHS and broader. Thank you all. Thank you for listening. Sign up to our podcast for the latest digital health developments or visit hetshow.co.uk for the latest info on the HET Live event, as well as news and updates from the best in health tech.